Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net. Well, hi, as she said, I'm Angel Perubsky, and thank you, Mandy. You're just awesome. Um, I want to start off by just saying that we are going to be talking about ways to minister to teen girls as both men and women, and that's not something that is addressed very often. I feel like we put those two genders in a box and keep them separated, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, But before we move on to anything, I would love to know, are there any questions or topics that you would love to have covered today that I can answer or try to answer for you or as a group collectively we can help each other? Um, But as you think about ministry to teen girls or pre-adolescent girls, any questions that you're like, yeah, I have no idea how to deal with the situation? And if you don't have anything now that's good, definitely raise your hand, interrupt I'm not a lecture-style person, so feel free to pipe in and ask questions. I want to start off briefly by sharing some statistics with you um, that I found like very, very disturbing regarding teen girls. And I'm actually going to start off by talking about teen girls and the absence of fathers, because the reason that's important is that one-third of our teenage girls are growing up without fathers in the home. And so if you're in here and you're doing ministry to teen girls, that is a really important piece of information to know because your ministry might substantially change in the way that you address things or approach things. First of all, men who are in the home, studies show that they spend more time with their sons than they do their daughters. And that they pull back even further when their daughters become pre-adolescent or adolescent. And there's this disconnect that is felt at that level. But in that moment, that is actually the time that research shows that a daughter needs her father to be more intimate with her than ever, to have more time invested in her than ever, and to have those precious tender moments. Because the father is the first male relationship in her life, and it's the relationship that I believe God designed to show daughters and girls how they're meant to be treated by a man, um, how they're meant to be viewed from a male perspective, because as we all know in our society, what what do men view women as, and what do men, you know, this is like the world we live in, this fallen world, and so these teenage girls are growing up with this concept of they are there to be a body, and they are there to look pretty. And they're there to be the best at everything. And they have got to win the affection over man because I'm valued if I have a boyfriend, right? If I am 14 years old, I'm valued. If that, if, you know, John Smith thinks that I am hot, like that's just the nature of the beast and that's the culture we live in. And so it's so important for um, healthy male relationships. So according to research, girls who don't have healthy relationships with their fathers will look for other ways to contribute to their development. When it comes to relating to men, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all of the homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the national average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And it is proven time and time again that girls who come from fatherless homes or a father who is absent from the home have low self-image, they are less assertive, and they lack boundaries. And when I said those three words, if we are in any kind of ministry with team girls, we probably thought of somebody in our mind who has very low self-image, who doesn't assert themselves at the appropriate times when they need to, or has zero boundaries, or very difficult time with boundaries. And I know I'm like... Wheels are turning in my brain, right? This is just the nature of the beast. And then with these studies, and we know that, we wonder why girls are looking at themselves as a piece of property, that their body is what's important and that they're valued if they have a boyfriend. And so we want to get past that, and I want to talk about ways that we can replace that because, first of all, it is not our responsibility to take the place of a father, That's not our job. It's not our role. Um, But we do need to understand what we're working with and try to maximize the influence that we have in that area. And um, I want to say make up for it because we probably can't. 
but definitely try to fill in the blanks the best that we can in those areas. So, you, you went ahead. Go ahead and go back to that, girl. Go ahead and go back to that. Teen girls need to see godly men in a healthy way. They need to see the man treating his wife in a, in a loving, respectful way. They need to see fathers with their, with their daughters. And they need to see men in a classroom setting. They need to see men reaching out to them. Because what do we do if we're in a youth ministry? I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, Pastor John, I'm having a problem with this boy at school. Can you go talk to my wife? You know that youth leader, Amy? Go talk to her, right? And we, we immediately push the, the, why am I like studying over my words for a minute? We immediately push the role to the female gender. But what does that teach, teach our girls? The woman can help you. I have no use for you. I have no influence in your life. But what they need to see is, you know what? This is what you're supposed to be, Kim. Let me talk to you about that. When Johnny at school talks to you about X, Y, Z, this is the way he should be treating you because you're a child of God and you're beautiful and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we need to not be afraid of having those conversations that feel awkward, but we're so fearful of putting ourselves in a box. And what if, I'm going to actually just jump, and I didn't plan to do this. Will you go to the Word document real fast? While she's pulling that up, I actually was researching, doing some research on this. And I googled youth pastors and teen girls. These are individually the lines. This was the front page of Google. Daughter is getting too close to the youth pastor. Longview youth pastor admits sexual relationship with teen. 43-year-old former youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Church in Longview has admitted to having sex repeatedly with teenage girl between. I didn't copy and paste. Church works to rebuild trust with teens after youth pastor is charged. A former youth pastor pled guilty on Wednesday to having sex with. Do youth pastors have authority over teens? The origin of youth pastors is not biblical, and the whole concept of youth pastors is one that robs their parents of God-given responsibilities. Youth pastor sentenced to five years of sexual assault. A former youth pastor who pleaded guilty of raping 16-year-old. Former Texas youth pastor accused of sex with... 15-year-old girl, ex-youth pastor, former, former employee of Children's Museum, having ongoing sexual... This is what our world sees, and it is devastating. I looked, and that is just screen one. I didn't even, like, move past screen one. I was like, oh, dear Lord. And then we wonder why our teenage girls are confused. Because I believe with all of my heart that across the state of Ohio, there are fathers and there are men and there are youth pastors who are godly men that don't want to love on a girl. They just want to love that girl. You know, and I definitely am not in here, and I just want to preface this with, have boundaries. There is never a time or a place where a male and a female of the opposite sex should be alone together. Don't drive in cars alone. I'm not saying wrap your arms around and pray at the altar and rub their back. You know, we all know the basics, right? I don't think we need to go into that. But there is a place and there is a time in the youth room or in your club room or in your homes with other family members around to invite in these teenage girls and to show them what a godly man should treat them like, that they are not a piece of meat, that they are valued and that they are loved and that you care about them. That is so, so, so important. For the men in the room, if you have daughters, I'm going to throw this resource out to you. There is a book that every man should read if they have daughters. It's called Strong Father, Strong Daughters. Strong Father, Strong Daughters. If you haven't read it, read it. Read it again, read it again, read it again. It's like one of those you could read it every single year, maybe five times a year. It's just if you want to cry, maybe, you know, there's some stories in there. But I think that we're so afraid because of the boundaries and because of what we just read on Word, that we stay away from it. And we cannot forfeit ministry for fear. We should never forfeit our ministry for fear. We've talked so much about establishing healthy boundaries. And I I just want to throw this out there to you guys. Tell me, just think biblically for just a moment, cross-gender references when people were doing ministry. And I'm just going to start off, Jesus and the woman at the well. Okay? So what's another, shoot me out, whether it's a woman ministering to a man or a man ministering to a woman. I'm sure you guys have plenty. 
What's that? Rahab, absolutely. And let's just say Rahab and the spies, she hid them in her home. Just throwing that out there, if you don't know the story, she hid them in the roof of her home. And they were inside her. Anybody else? The woman caught in the act of adultery. Mary Magdalene. Was it Mary, Martha's sister? You know, there's the conspiracy. Was that Mary Magdalene or Mary Martha's sister? Were they the same? But who sat also at Jesus' feet? Is there anybody in here who would be bold enough to share somebody in, their, in your life? Who is somebody cross-gender that has made a difference to you? Growing up in the church, somebody currently that serves as a mentor in your life that you grow from. I'm just going to throw it out there, Tom Grote. As a former youth pastor, somebody, he's a constant source of mentoring in my life. He teaches me. He's called, hey, how you doing as a youth pastor? What can I do to help you? Do you, do you feel like that's inappropriate? Anybody want to give some examples of what in your life right now, somebody who has mentored to you or is a child that you can name? Go ahead. Awesome. Anybody else? Go ahead. I had a really great dad who I felt like spent a lot of time with me, so that was good. But on top of that, there were five kids in my family, and I was real quiet and shy and whatever. And I remember growing up, there was this um, older gentleman, a couple of them actually, that really went out of their way to call me beautiful and tell me I was special and call me sweetheart. And, like, I didn't see him doing it with everybody. So, like, that really meant a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that. They called me beautiful. They called me sweet, sweetheart. Because we're afraid to do that, aren't we? Yeah. Aren't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, and I, I said to, there's a, there's a boy in our youth group that has the coolest eyes. They're not brown and they're not green. And so when the light hits them, they're just like, almost like cat eyes. They're just awesome. And I was like, you have such beautiful eyes. And it looks like the Snickers, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, why is it? that in the purest form, that we can't just encourage one another. But the more that we do this on a consistent basis in our regular ministry, whether it's to teen boys or teen girls, the more we're going to break down those worldly views. Because they know, I mean, they know, well, Angel's totally not interested in that 14-year-old boy. You know, I'm old enough to be his mom. But the more that we continue to encourage on a platonic level, on a leadership level, those qualities about each other, the easier it's going to be for them to receive that in a healthy manner. But again, if, as long as we continue to separate and we stay quiet and we put each other in a box, the more awkward it's going to be and we're never going to get past those boundaries that we've set up, almost to protect ourselves, but it's hurting our children in the long run. So I want to give you just a couple of practical ways to encourage healthy cross-gender relationships within your ministries. And again, this can go from boys to girls, girls to boys. Um, But first of all, initiate communication. Don't wait for that teen girl to start a conversation with you. Especially if you're a man, she probably won't. Don't wait for the quiet girl in the room to come up to you and have a conversation. And it doesn't have to be anything big. Hey, Lance, how was your day at school today? You got any big tests coming up? Like, that is a normal question for me to ask, and that seems so silly. But to a teenager who's stressed out about school, they're thinking about that big test coming up. And I've learned that. And then I know they've got a test on Friday, and I make a mental note on Wednesday when I see them again or Sunday morning, how'd you do on your, hey, Matt, how'd you do on your test? And it's just an instant connection. Angel remembered something about me. They feel instantly, Angel was praying for me, she thought about me, and that's so silly to us because we're like, it's just a test. 
But to them, it's their world. Walk up to them, you know. Hey, do you have a friend? You know, who's your friend? Just continue. The more that you break through those boundaries and initiate conversation, the more they're going to feel comfortable approaching you. Because then it's not going to be awkward to go up to that leader. It's going to be like, oh, Julie. I mean, now I have people coming up. Hey, I've got a test. Will you pray for me? Just instantly, you know. And it's just one of those silly little things. They're going to run up to you. Hey, I've got this going on. Julie, will you pray for me? And that just opens up the door of opportunity so quickly. Just a simple how was your day can sometimes make the biggest impact in the life of a teenager. Secondly, seek to affirm her. Seek to affirm her for the positive contributions that she's made in your life and in the life of others. Catch her being good. Catch her being good. Because we know that 85% of teenage girls struggle with self-image, with confidence comes success. And so when you are catching them being good, then they begin to build up that confidence. And then you're like, hey, little things. It was so good of you to sit with that new girl. I re- like, I love the way you just approached her. Thank you for taking time you know, and stopping what you were doing to go greet that new visitor. To us, it's second nature. As leaders, we're thinking about that. Our wheels are turning. There's a new person in the room, so, like, my radar's on. You know, I'm like, okay, i got to make sure I get to that person. I'm going to go sit. But a teenager, if they do something like that, that is huge. And they need to make sure that they know how huge that is. Really take a moment and just step back, even if it's, Little things like, and this isn't little, I mean, if you know, if you work in teen ministry, you're always paying, Matt, you know, I appreciate you're always paying attention. You know, you're such a strong leader. I appreciate that about you. Take time. And if you don't at the moment, write notes. Little things to put on Facebook go a long way. And whatever, I don't know why, it's just the world that we live in. Embrace it because you can tell them face-to-face and that means something, but put it on their Facebook wall for their friends to see that they're the bomb. And woo, you've just blown up their head like, yeah, I'm all that, (laughs) you know? So really take a moment, write that down. I'm going to write it on their Facebook wall. I'm going to, you know, post something on Instagram or whatever it is. It will go so far when you catch them being good because then they want to keep being good. And then their confidence gets stronger. And then they feel like they're more successful. And then this girl who was low self-image and struggling with who she is is finally becoming this budding, blossom flower that's a leader in your room. And now she is encouraging other people, hey, go talk to so-and-so. They're new. Come with me. And it naturally progresses But it starts when we acknowledge and we catch them being good and we affirm them. Third thing we could do is ask questions. Ask questions. And beyond how is your day, ask her how you can support her. Don't assume you know. I think as an adult, if I'm just going to be transparent, sometimes I feel like I know how I can support a teenage girl. Because, I've, you know, I'm like, I'm 35 years old. You know, I know what she's going through. I've been there. My dad used to have this saying, nothing's changed but the name. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And now that I'm older and I have a teenage daughter, I'm like, nothing has changed but the name. It's the same situation, the same drama, the same whatever. It's just now it's not Amy this time. Now it's Sandy, you know, same thing. But I think with our wisdom, sometimes we assume we know what they want. But sometimes we don't. So when we ask questions, when they're coming to us and they're talking to us about what's going on in their life, ask questions like, what can I do to help you? you, I will almost always say these words, and I'm just going to encourage you to do the same if, if you feel comfortable. Do you want me to listen or do you want advice? And that seems like such a simple, and sometimes they're like, I just, I just want you to listen. They don't always need our advice. Most of the time, if we're just being honest, they don't. They're smart. If they've sat under your ministry and you look across this room and there are a group of people in here who love teenage girls and you want to pour into their lives and you're a youth pastor or you're a father or whatever it is or you're a youth leader, you've given them a lot. Have some credit, you know, in what you do and the, and the impact you make just by loving them every day. Be a listener. You know, or what can I do to support you? They might say, 
I just really need accountability. Or I don't know how to talk to the person. And then you are directly meeting the need as opposed to giving them a generalized church answer that they probably know. You're really taking a moment to properly invest at the greatest level that you can. So just simple questions. Or fourth thing we can do is affirm the teen's gender-specific qualities. And you're like, what do you mean by that? I am guilty of this. Um, Even as a girl, I was raised with brothers. And so for a long time, it took took me a lot longer to learn how to be a girl, I think, (laughs) because I was a tomboy and, you know, I played sports outside. And so I used to find myself when I was younger in ministry, making statements like, well, it's because she's a girl. Or it's because they're a boy, so I expect them to fill in the blank, right? What does that do? I mean, when we really take a minute, what does that do? Say, I expect you to be a drama queen. I expect you to cry about everything. I expect you to make a big deal about it. I expect you to act tough, man, even though you're, like, dying inside because that's what a man does, Right? And so we have put them in this box that we don't intend to, and it's done just usually out of play. But when somebody's struggling with a low self-image, that affirms everything they already believe about themselves. And we are making our ministry so much harder just by the little things that we say. And so affirm their qualities and allow for those differences and celebrate them. I love how tender-hearted you are. I love that you're thinking like that. I would never have thought of a situation like that. Wow, you know, that is really cool. And just allow them to allow them to be who they are. I have a daughter who is really really anxious and she's got some processing disorders and so she just does things very differently. And for me, like she's a perfectionist, everything has to be a certain way. And um, this is going to sound strange, but I celebrate when she makes a mistake. I make a big deal when she does something wrong because she's so hard on herself. Like, for instance, she got straight, like she's gotten straight A's all year. She's never gotten a B, okay? Like fifth grade, killing it at school. She was devastated that she didn't get all A pluses. That does not come from me, because I'm like, if you tried your best and you got a C, I'm like, party, you know, like, I'm happy for whatever, whatever she gave. So, and that's what I'm saying, look at, look at the child, look at the teen, and allow them to be who they are, celebrate who they are, celebrate their gender-specific qualities, celebrate their strengths, celebrate their weaknesses, when she does something wrong, I'm like, that is so, I can't, that is great. I love that you said that. That makes me laugh because she's already beating herself up about it. Your drama queen girl that knows she's a drama queen is already beating herself up about it. She knows, you know. And so allowing for that and laughing through it and helping them through it is just going to make them feel that much more confident. And I'm not saying, obviously, now my oldest daughter, if she did something wrong, I'd have to be on her about that. I'm not saying celebrate whenever anybody does something wrong. I'm saying know the, know the kid, because my older daughter would be like, yeah, I mean, she'd just go for the rebellion side of things. That's her personality. So, but definitely look for those things. Look at, look at the guy who, you know, we have a, a, a student in our youth ministry who's kind of a tough guy. And he's like the most athletic guy in our I mean, he's like six foot four, and he's just very, very athletic. And but he is one of the most tender-hearted teen boys I've ever known. And he takes a moment and he makes like the less than kids feel cool. And he's like, you know, a lot of times it's like not cool to talk to the younger kids or whatever. He really makes a point to make everybody. I reward that kid like her. I'm like, that is so awesome. I love that you're like that. And really take time to pour into that quality of his um, as opposed to just saying, oh, you know, look at you talking to those teenage girls, ha, ha, ha. You know, and it's like I think sometimes we use sarcasm and we think it's funny, but really instead of using sarcasm, we could take a moment to affirm because it's not typical for a six foot four, 16 year old boy to take a moment out of his day to make a sixth grade little puny girl feel special. 
And it's not like he's creepy about it. He's just genuinely being a nice guy, you know. And so I say things like, I love that you don't feel like you're too cool to go talk to those young kids. You know, just look for those ways to affirm. Next thing we can do is cultivate an atmosphere of no strings attached love. No strings attached. The other way to say that is let's not be judgmental. Let's not be judgmental. And that's hard in the church, I think. If we're just being honest, that's really hard in the church, especially when you've been in the same ministry for a long time and you know you've taught some people better (laughs) and you know they know your expectations and you know they know better or you know who their parents are, right? And so what do we do? We set them up for, I have to be perfect and I failed and everything I ever thought about myself again is right. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. But what we need to do is love them. Love them through that. I think one of the most beautiful stories is um, there's a girl that I know that ended up getting pregnant. Her parents were very involved in ministry. Um, Mother led, she was a worship pastor. Father was a board member. I mean, it was like she knew better. Grandfather was a pastor. I mean, this is like a long line of she was involved in ministry, and she ended up getting pregnant and was scared to death. And there were people in the church who made phone calls and went down the list of can you believe, literally went through a church directory, and she was terrified. But the way that her parents And her youth pastor and youth pastor's wife responded is so beautiful. They literally met together. They cried together. They hugged it out. Said, it doesn't matter. We love you. No matter what you've done, we love you. She already knew that the disappointment would be there. And the people in your youth rooms, they know. They're they're so ashamed. You know, know, they're already disappointed enough for themselves that they don't need us to beat them over the head with, I can't, I'm so disappointed in you. We had a, a, young, a young boy that was really struggling with stuff he looked at on the internet. And he's like, I need to remove myself from the worship team. I shouldn't be on this. I mean, he just felt terrible. And I, I said these words. The reason that you don't need to be removed from the worship team is because you feel the way you do. But our initial reaction is, oh, no, they're sinning. They're, they're out. You know, they don't, he doesn't have a right to be on the leadership. That's an important role, and that's right. And I'm not saying live in that, but he felt guilty. He was like, I want boundaries. I want accountability. He wanted to make it better. And guess what? His sin is no different than when I get an attitude and I, like, mouth off more to my husband more than I should. Right? But what do we yeah. do? We, like, I know. <laughs> we do this we like have this judgmental like ball and chain what time is this over um this ball and chain mentality sometimes in ministry they don't need that they need to know i love you no matter what no strings attached you could be the biggest sinner in here or you could be the greatest asset and as a leader and being in youth ministry for 17 years it is easy to love the good kids I'm just going to throw it out there. It is easy to know the ones that you can depend on. They're going to be there. They're going to be committed. It doesn't matter if it's a $5 event or a $500 event. They're raising funds. They're showing up. How can I help you, Pastor Angel? You know what I'm talking about. This is, like, it's easy. But those kids who, like, get on your nerves and they get it wrong all the time and, you know, we all have those ones, they need it more than anybody else. And they need to know that you're going to spend the same amount of investment on them regardless. The investment has to be the same, if not more. No strings attached love. It's got to be there. It's got to be there. Again, man to man, girl to girl, guy to girl, however it is in leadership, that is so important. Be ready to listen and support no matter what challenge they face. Listening is so important. It's so important. I mean, I think if we're just being honest, when we um, sit in a room like this, we could probably all name about 5,000 examples of times where we just wanted somebody to listen to us, but they didn't stop talking, you know? Or do you have those moments where um, you really just need to talk about something 
and then the person that you're talking to contends to like tells you what happened in their life that was pretty similar and, or one-up you. It's like you got those people that like want to one-up your story. Oh, yeah, I went through this, but when I went through it, I also had X, blah, 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 you know, and it's almost like, oh, so what I'm going through isn't important. What you went through is worse. And a lot of times, teenagers in our culture today feel like what they're going through isn't a big deal, and they beat themselves up about it, and they feel ashamed because they don't really have a reason to be that upset. It doesn't matter if you're 16 years old and your heart gets broken, or if you're 45 year old and your heart gets broken, it hurts. Somebody rejecting you hurts. It's just the way that it is. This is truth of the matter. But they're feeling so guilty about it. And then so we want to talk and we want to give advice. And, you know, like, and it's our nature to want to help. But allow them to just be and support them in their decisions. Let them know that you're there. And if they need, again, we talked about this before, if they need advice. But really, truly support them. Get underneath them and just support them at the core of whatever it is that they're going through. It doesn't matter how minimal it is. Because there are times when people come to me and I'm like, oh, girl, I wish that was all the problems I had. You know, in the back of my mind, that's really, truly how I'm feeling 95% of the time. And I know that, like, this is going to work itself out, but they need to know that you're there. I'm so, little things like, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. If there's anything that I can do, just know that I'm here for you. I support you. Little nuggets of I'm not alone and somebody's listening to me and they care because I'm just going to be transparent as a parent sometimes. It is easier for me to be a youth pastor than it is for me to be a parent sometimes, To my, especially now having daughter, a daughter in youth ministry and another one coming in this summer. That's scary, and I've noticed that because we're busy And I'm saying this, again, just to be completely transparent. When you're at home, you're busy, you're cooking, you're cleaning, they're coming home from school, you're doing, and you've got 5,000 things, and your phone's ringing off the hook. And there are times when I have failed my kids as a parent, and I'm like, I didn't listen because my phone was ringing, or they were talking about something, and my phone rang, and I picked it up, and I shouldn't have. And this is somebody with experience, right? So let's think of somebody who's not overanalyzed. I'm an overthinker, so I know that um, I know that I need to not do that. And at the end of the day, I'm going to lay my head down on my pillow, and I'm going to try and make tomorrow better. But probably most of the students in your ministries, their parents aren't thinking that way because they haven't seen t- ministry for however many years. And so when they come in to talk to you, they haven't had anything. And those times are so critical. They're so critical. Moving on. Don't have all the answers. <sighs> For so many reasons. First and foremost, because it lets them know that they don't need to have all the answers. If we always have all the answers, what's that doing? Validating that they don't. Validating that they're not smart enough again. Let her know that it's okay to not have it all together, which means that we need to be real and let them know that we don't always have it all together. I mean, does anybody else in the room have it all together all the time? (laughs) I so wish I had it all together. With this, ask her things like, what do you think would be best? How do you think you should handle this? situation. What would you say if I was in the same, because, and, and this is another, what would you say if I was in the situation? Because sometimes when they're in it, it's too close. And so, for instance, what if, and name their best friend, or their little sister, or their brother, pull somebody else in that they care about. What would you tell Julie, Kim, if this happened to her? fill in the blank. And it allows them to begin to answer their own questions and to answer for themselves. And it's building them because it's not just about getting them through their situation. 
It's about equipping them to be able to get through their next situation. And if we're always giving them the answers and we always have what's coming next and it's spelled out for them, you know, this is X, Y, Z and this is the way you do it, they're not going to ever know how to do it for themselves. And so when we sit there and allow them, and I'm not saying don't ever give advice, give advice. You know, you, you know, you know what I'm saying here, right? I don't need to preface that. Teach them to work through those situations on their own. Next, empower her. Empower her. Let her have a chance to shine and have purpose. The more that we can put people in positions of leadership, and I'm not saying this girl's been saved for two weeks, so she should be, like, preaching the sermon next week. But that girl who's really bubbly, who just got saved, might be a really great greeter. She might be somebody who, we've done this in the past, little things like, um, we've had groups, and this is probably, like, crazy over the top, but they would call certain people and invite them to events. The outgoing, bubbly kids would be responsible for, because if I call, I'm an adult inviting them, right? It's just the way that it is. But bubbly Susie, who doesn't feel like she has purpose, but she's just so outgoing and everybody just seems to really like her, that shy girl that sits in the corner that might be coming for the last three, four years is going to love getting a phone call from bubbly Susie. Hey, are you going to go to that girl's ministry sleepover? Wow, that just helped bubbly Susie have this great sense of purpose, and it also helped that other student in your room feel like somebody wants me there. Not just my leader, but another girl wants me there. Let her have a chance to shine, and let her have a chance to fail. When we empower people, We don't know if they're going to succeed or they're going to fail, right? But I think if we're all being completely honest, all of us have been on the mountaintop, and we've done a really good job, and we're like, oh, yeah, I'm the bomb. You know, I nailed that task. And there are times at the end of the day we're like, oh, I'm so ashamed. (laughs) I totally dropped the ball. I didn't think about that. I didn't have this together, you know. But it's in those moments, those are teachable moments where we empower. And again, if we go back to not having all the answers and we've already set them up for the fact that we fail too, they're expecting that. They're expecting that. So they're not going to have those standards of perfection if we're not putting those on them. They're going to not put it on themselves. When we teach these uh, girls what healthy relationships look like, through some of these things, we start establishing what they expect from each other. You know, when we allow... What are you guys talking about over here? You guys got my squirrel thing going. I just totally called you out. That's so funny. Oh, um, for, for the record, Matt Kelly is tapping his foot and is throwing the whole class off if you're listening to this video recording. <laughs> And as I'm giving these tips, you know, they're very generalized, but the point, of, the point of this truly is, I am begging you, if you are a man in this room, or you have husbands that are on your side in ministry, you have fathers that are in the home, please, 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 for the sake of all that's good and pure in this world, don't be afraid to have healthy relationships with the teen girls in your life please. They need you more than ever. They need to see the way Matt Kelly treats Kim Kelly in the youth room because they might not see that at home, regardless of if dad is in the home. We have had students, and this has happened a couple of times now. I'm just going to brag on my husband in the back for, for a minute. Say things like, that's right, he's a, he's a good man. Say things like, I always wanted, one of the girls, he just um, officiated their wedding a year ago. I always wanted to find a man that treated me the way that Pastor Lance treated you. What an amazing testimony. And this is a girl who ended up marrying a youth pastor, and they're in ministry together, and it's beautiful. 
because this was a punk, snap-nosed little girl that, like, <laughs> when I talk about no strings attached love, <laughs> she grew up, this is a girl that was problem after problem after problem after problem. She had a horrible attitude. She had a rough home life. She's had gone through, like, six different divorces. I mean, this, not her, but her parents. I mean, rough, rough, rough situation. No strings attached love. Tried to empower her. But that's what it is. He set up a precedent that it wasn't always refer to Angel, refer to Chelsea, another youth leader. It was, let me take a moment. And if I can help you with it, I should. And that, I think that's just the rule of thumb. And if you're a woman in the room, the same thing for the, the boys that are in your ministry. If you can, help them. Let them know that it's okay to have somebody investing in their life of the opposite gender. That is huge. It's huge because all we do is we separate the, the, we separate what's pure and we just allow the evil influence of the world to take place in our churches. You know, it's wrong if, a, if my youth pastor talks to me about the boy in my class that likes me. I'll tell you what, I hope that the men in my daughter's life take a minute to tell them how valuable they are, that they're not just hearing it from their mom or the women in their life, but that they have other godly men that are looking at them and telling them how precious they are and that they don't have to feel like they're a piece of flesh out there to be looked at, but that another man outside of their father is looking at them and saying, you are beautiful, and I'm so proud of you, and stay pure, and you deserve to be treated like a godly young woman. You deserve to have somebody treat you with, with respect and with dignity. You know, there were times, you know, in ministry, my husband used to say things like, if a, if a guy is driving down the road and he beeps his horn at you, that's not a compliment. But it is to a teenage girl, right? Ooh, I look good. Yeah, he honked at me. I must look cute today. I'm going to wear this outfit more often. What? I dare somebody to blow a horn at my daughter, right? <laughs> I mean, like, think about what they celebrate. But who is teaching them that? Because every, guy, you know, every man that's in their life, you know, don't say that because we don't want to talk about those things. So it's so important to have these relationships, to do things like talking with them, empowering them, loving them through, being at their side, taking, just taking the time. Um, this isn't on there, but I'm going to add this one to it. Take time when you can for them. If they play on a sporting event you know, or a team and you can get to their volleyball game, go. And it sounds so silly. We used to try, and we were a lot better at it before we had kids, <clears throat> so it's a little bit less than we used to. But we used to get to at least one game of everybody in our youth ministry through the season. And that's a lot. And, again, that was before we had three kids and whatever. If you can, do that. If you can't, have another youth leader do it. Somebody in their life that is investing in them outside of your club room or your youth room. That's huge. Because when their youth leader or their youth pastor or somebody else is taking the time and what they're interested in, they're going to take the time for what you're interested in. When you're showing up to support their volleyball game, the next time you have a work day and you ask them, they're going to be more prone to be in there because they bought into you as a leader. Because they're like, yeah, they, they love me. I want to love them back. It's just the way that we work. All of us are that way. Somebody's taking the time for me. I've helped them with something. They help me with something. That's the way relationships bloom. So take advantage of those times because it's kind of cool when you're a teenage girl and your youth pastor is there supporting you and he's a dude, you know? There's just something about that that, like, you think that's silly and we sit here as adults, but, man, you see the look in their eye and the excitement and they're like, oh, yeah, you know? And... And there's a, this boy that I'm talking about, the six-foot-tall, six-foot-four, and he's like, hey, how are you doing? He makes fun of me all the time. Um, just went to his basketball game, and he's like, thanks so much. That meant so much to me. And I'm like, a 16-year-old boy. I'm a 35-year-old woman. I'm not even cool, you know? <laughs> I'm past, like, that 24 where I'm still cool age, you know? 
and it meant a lot to him. Twice, two different weeks, we went, it would have been like three weeks ago, he has taken the time to thank me. Take the time. Take the time for them. So I just want to open it up. I said we do this at the beginning, but any questions or input, something that you're doing, I would love to hear from you what you're doing because I don't have all the answers um, in our your areas. Yep. So I love what you're saying, and I wish there was a better way to have them, for men to be in their lives, but we're just kind of at a loss sometimes how to deal with that stuff. I mean, we literally have had kids in our rooms taken by children's services up in meth labs. Right. So. I want to just state, just for the sake of recording, um, a church that doesn't have men, like inner city, doesn't have a whole lot of men to pull from what to do. And I would say, even if they're not leaders, if you're married and you have husbands or brothers in your life, again, just seeing their interaction with you. And my husband teaches with me for that reason. Yeah. And he probably is only the godly, only godly man some of these kids see. Yeah. Wish we could increase it more. Uh, yeah. And I mean, definitely, I would like be on a hunt, which, by the way, thank you for bringing your girls. I'm going to do a shameless plug for the Teen Girl Conference right now. Amazing event that if you're not a part of it, definitely bring your girls. Next year is going to be March 6th and 7th. It's going to be a beautiful time. Um, your girls were awesome at the event. Thank you for bringing them. So much fun. We just had a blast. But um, look for men, and definitely the more your husband can be there, even if it's just being good to you in front of them, looking for opportunities. I mean, these little things for your husband to catch them being good, uh, walking through the halls. Saying things like, hey, girl, how, you, how are you? Just, and I'm just going to, like, for the sake of boundaries, we're always like, oh, you know, don't hug. And I love Julie. She's so sweet. But there is something about an appropriate male touch that feels good coming from somebody who had a rough home life that it would be totally acceptable for your husband to say, hey, how are you? And just a touch on the arm to somebody who does not get affection from home means the world. Just to have an appropriate touch from somebody who has not abused you, who is not sexually into you, to just say, hey, how are you? Now, I mean, there are some people that are like, don't touch me, personalities, like Matt. I almost just want to come up to Matt and get in his personal <laughs> bubble. You know, how you doing, buddy? But, you know, just like, hey, how are you? And move on. That means so much. So take any opportunity you can um, especially in that kind of a situation, just um, coming from experience, that means a lot. Is your hand up back there? Yeah, I was just going to say with that, too, knowing, because you know in your culture, knowing your environment, knowing the statistics about fatherless homes and so forth, we don't have that. We have all these kids coming, and they're not experiencing that. Even understanding that and coming to this kind of class, knowing that these are some of the things that these young boys, these young girls are going to struggle with, even when you're talking about teaching them the biblical, you know, your preschool toddlers, the biblical characters, making sure the emphasis is on, man, did you see what a great father that Jesus is? That, you know, using those things to embed in them strategically, knowing that they're, they're probably not going to get it mm-hmm. when they leave your son. <clears throat> but while they're there, strategically teaching them and planning, and planting that in them, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's not in the Sunday school curriculum, or it's not your That's good. That's really good. Um, Just to restate, I'm sorry I have to do this, but for the sake of teaching the way that you would teach. And I just want to hone in on that because when you teach like that and you set an example, they might not have it at home, but they're going to look for it then. 
you know, and as an example, um, my mother grew up, and I mean, my grandparents are still married. They're going to be 60 years married this summer, and um, that's great. They're great people, but they're not affectionate people. Um, They don't say, I love you. It's just kind of a weird, you know, that's just not how my mom was raised. And when she was a teenage girl, she went home with her friend on the bus after school one day, and she, her friend walked into the house, and her mother gave her a hug and kissed her on the cheek and said, Hi, honey, how was your day? And my mom said, like she didn't, but it almost made her feel like crying. She had never seen that before. And she said it was such a defining moment. And again, this is, she said she was in the eighth grade at this time, so this is exactly the group we're talking about, that she said, when I have children... I'm going to hug them and kiss them every day. And that is how my mom raised me. I mean, we're very, like, affectionate, touchy. That's just, you know, who we are. And it was out of seeing one time somebody else receiving an appropriate hug, an appropriate kiss on the cheek, and an I love you. How was your day, honey? That made such a huge difference. When that happened, I mean, the power you have every week, I mean, just think about it. every single week or however often you meet, the power you have to invest in your teen girls, your teen boys, cross-gender, to just have that influence is huge, huge. And I realize the culture is fighting us every day, but we've got to give some credit to God and what he can do in a moment, you know, like a moment of anointed just love. Boom, just blows up, you know. <laughs> that's where it's at. Anybody else, anything that's going on in your um, areas of ministries or ideas that you have or questions that we can answer in here? we got just a couple minutes left. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say, just from, um, you talk about boundaries mm-hmm. and, and coming from youth ministry, having an appropriate relationship with, with female students. Um, knowing that, that some of the students are, I know we had some, some girls in our ministry that if I would have gave a lot of attention to, mm-hmm. that they were craving it so much that there would have been an attachment. Yes. And so so balancing that where you want to give it attention and encouragement and uh, everything without going too far to now you're dealing with attachment issues and, and they see you as... Mm-hmm. So balancing the girl who wants, yeah, balancing a girl who wants the attention in an inappropriate way. Absolutely. My gut initial reaction to that is to, when you give her attention, to have your wife at your side. So when you are talking to her, I mean, again, and it's all a part, it's so important when we listen, we go back to some of those basic things that probably are second nature to some of you, but I felt like we needed to discuss. When we're doing those things consistently, then we know them well enough to know that if Matt's going up to talk to so-and-so who has major issues and is going to be looking for anything she can to connect to and latch onto in an unpure way, Kim's at a side. And he, they know Kim and Matt are together. And Matt is still able to look at her and love her as a, as a, a female student and give her the love of Jesus and treat her like a human being and to know that she is valued and she's important without it becoming, Pastor Matt, talk to me. Did you see? I, you know, because then they do that, don't they? They just kind of like get in your personal space and they hang on you. And, you know, you see that and you're going to see that. I love that you're sitting here. because <laughs> This is my buddy. I wouldn't do that to anybody else in the room. I didn't know you, but this is my buddy right here. So, and I'm dropping. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so having her input was valuable uh, for those instances. So she knew every conversation, yes. every text message, everything that happened. And so there's accountability for me as well, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, keeping safe barriers between 
Definitely. And I want to say not only, like, I would not just encourage, but, like, almost say you should, you know, and I, I hate to say you should to a whole lot of things. If you're texting with the opposite gender, your spouse or somebody should be reading them. Like, first of all, I think your spouse should have all of your passwords and there should be nothing private, period. Just that's not even this room topic. But um, to go beyond just reading it, I would also add to, I'm talking with Pastor Kim about it, or I'm talking to Kim about it, and this is our response. And it is never just coming from the man to the woman. or the. And if you're an unmarried youth pastor, you might not have that privilege of being able to put that, but you could say, I'm talking, you know, you have a female youth leader. I'm going to talk to Julie about this. And, you know, where I've talked with Julie and we're going to, in this kind of a situation, instantly bring in the opposite. If you're having that kind of a situation, because, number one, it helps with boundaries. Number two, it protects you. Number three, it protects that girl from getting more of an emotional attachment or boy from getting an emotional attachment that's not, you know, shouldn't be there. So that is really good. Good insight. Anybody else? How much time do we have? Like five minutes? Okay. Go ahead. No, oh, okay. Just, oh, I have a question. Yeah. Okay, I'm not a ministry. I'm just going to stand by you, okay. so I don't have to repeat it. I'm not a youth leader, but I have two teenage girls, mm-hmm. and um, their kids or their friends spend a lot of time with us. And, you know, a good majority of them don't have either a dad present or he's not a good role model slash, you know, relationships out there. So we've had the same issue, the texting, like, the kids love my husband, which is good. You know, he's a great role model for them. But I just wanted to kind of piggyback what you said. He will tell, if he's at work, if he gets a text from one of the girls, he says, you know, so-and-so texted me, want to let you know, he'll forward it to me. Because we're not together. He can't show right. his phone. Um, so that's always open communication. Now, my question is, um, specifically, we are wanting to do, or me personally, want to do like a, a Bible study that mm-hmm. with my older daughter, but her friends want to kind of do it too. They don't go to church. They don't really have an opportunity to go to church, whether they work or they have mm-hmm. responsibilities at home that they're not allowed to go. Um, so these kids are not churched. Where do I start? I don't, I've like Googled teen girl Bible studies. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. I mean, these are girls yep. that are graduating. They're very mature for their age. They have no boundaries. Okay. That's good. I want to jump on the, um, I just want to say this, and again, it was almost like the assumption that we all know boundaries, and so we didn't go into those, because I feel like a lot, we talk a lot about boundaries, but we don't talk about integration, and so um, boundaries are there for a reason, and they're important, Um, and I don't always think that it's best to respond, and sometimes it is better to refer you know, and I, I think I, I maybe should have said that a little bit sooner. Um, I would never want to make the mistake. If you're going to error, error on the side of caution. I just don't want us to live in fear and miss an opportunity to invest in somebody that God has specifically put in our, our life for such a time as this. Um, that being said... The texts at work, if it's an ongoing thing, I would have no problem being like, hey, like he could just say, text Julie or Mrs. Rudolph or whatever they call you, you know, that sort of thing. But regarding doing a Bible study, I am also going to do a shameless plug for the best discipleship material in the whole entire world um, that is provided by Girls Ministry. Um, There are free topics, especially if you're talking about people who have never been saved and you want to be very conversational. Um, Hot topics. If you go to the National Girls Ministry website, um, and if, I don't know, you can probably pull it up. Um, Here, actually, Mandy's got it. TGM.ag.org. TGM.ag.org. If you go to the Teen Girl Ministries button and scroll down into Hot Topics, it is not deep material if you're looking for like this in-depth foundational why we believe what we believe, 
but it is amazing conversational. These are the topics, abuse, addictions, alternative lifestyles, anger, authority figures, bullying, creation versus evolution, deep pain, family relationships, following well, ghosts, uh, growing up without a dad, guy-girl relationships, handling stress, human trafficking, idols, knowing God's will, mean girls, movies and music, netiquette, which is like internet etiquette, um, self-esteem, sex before marriage, teen pregnancy, the party life, twilight, and then we could scroll down and there's more. Can you click on one just Absolutely. It gives a leadership, a leader's guide, and a, a, guide, a piece of paper printout for the, each girl. These are free. This does not cost a penny. It's good stuff. If you can invest, and it's, again, I think, what is it, like 20 bucks for a resource CD or something at GPH? The girls' only curriculum is thebomb.com. Like, <laughs> it is topic-based. And, okay, so here it is. Um, growing up without a dad. This is the note to the leader. It gives you um, just insight about it. It gives you scriptures. There are questions to ask. Yeah, this is what they would get. Yes, it's not and free. Yeah. <laughs> and totally free. Back at the, if you go up to the leaders one, does it, it has the questions on there, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, have the girl do that. Have the, and then it asks questions. It's so meant for open discussion, which is great for teen girls. It's a really great starter. Um, and again, it's like 20 bucks for the entire girls' ministry curriculum, all of the units. I don't want to scare you off with girls' ministry curriculum. I hate that that's the term. It just is what it is. If you haven't looked at it, look at it. My husband used to teach the adults on Wednesday nights with that curriculum, and people were like, where'd you get that from? <laughs> it's, I mean, you, you need to change. Like, obviously, they're going to say, have your girls do this. you know. But if you're a teacher and you can look at curriculum and make it yours – it is good stuff. Like, I have not found, and I look constantly, I'm a huge advocate of helping our teenagers grow and help, you know, personal growth. I have not found better discipleship material anywhere. Whether you're a boy or you're a girl, it is good stuff. So I would totally encourage you to check that out, invest in the $20, and um, it's set up to be in, like, six-week units, but it doesn't have to be. You can take one and, like, pull out what you want. Make a one-week lesson, a two-week lesson, um, ask the questions about it, and then you have the um, scriptures there to help guide along. It is really, really good stuff. So I would I would start there, personally. Um, but, yeah, I mean... And really, you could even give them, I went through one day, actually, I, sh I shouldn't lie, I had our intern go through one day and print these all out for me and put them all in a binder. Yeah, that's um, probably what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all in there, just tabbed out for me, and whenever I need something kind of last minute or a filler, or you might be having like a sleepover and you just want a little nugget of something, these are great because this is stuff they're dealing with. Yeah, these are, they, they're called hot topics for a reason. You know, this is what our, our teen girls are going with. I see that hand in the back. Well, I was going to say, when she had said I taught the, and I did, I used the material. They have great, the teen girl ministry aspect of the 9th through 12th grade. Uh, I took that curriculum, I adapted it, I made it my own. Um, but it, the guts of it, it was, it was phenomenal discipleship material to take. We're talking adults. We're talking when I was teaching it. This was before I was a lead pastor. I was teaching it as an associate, and there was an area where a lot of men in the church where I was at were struggling with the fact of having women in leadership, women on the board, women in ministry. So the assemblies of God as a whole, you can be an ordained woman pastor, but in churches, you can't be. And so we're like, as a, as a whole, why is it acceptable on the smaller level? So I was like, awesome. Took this material, made it my own, taught it, and a couple of the guys in particular afterwards came up to me that I had no struggle with this concept, and their their statement to me was, I've never heard anything like that. I don't know if I'm ready to change my mind yet. But you gave me a whole lot more insight than I've ever heard taught before. That was for material that was for ninth through 12th grade girls. If you just use it, if you, I mean, it's, it's so biblically based. If you just use it, 
know. It blows your mind to know. <laughs> it's Perovsky for promo video for girls. I will say if I, I just want to throw that out there though because that does seem to be a hot topic is like women in ministry and women pastors and should that be that unit is full of so much biblical truth and example read it like even just for your own interest it is some good stuff and it's not like girl power it's truly like from Old Testament to New Testament time after time after time after time again where you know this prophet was in leadership at the same time as this male prophet that we all know who wrote that book in the Bible that we all know and love, but God actually chose this woman to lead this military army. You know, like, you put all that stuff in chronological order, and you're like, wow, that's pretty good stuff. So, yeah, definitely. Anybody else? Is there anything that I didn't cover that you would hope that I would cover? Um or questions that you have? Again, any anything that you're using or that, or that you're doing? Okay. Wait just a second. I would definitely just love to leave you with this. Invest, invest in your students. You know, they're so important. God has put every young every young boy and every young girl in your life for this season. And sometimes it's really easy to grab onto students and sometimes it's not, you know. Personality makes a big difference in ministry sometimes. But I would just implore you to just really truly as Romans 12:9 says, message, love from the center of who you are, don't fake it. Um, one of my favorite scriptures and um, man they're there for a reason. Take a minute and just love them. Pour into them. Just practically invest in them. Think about what you need as a person and, and try where we can. And we can't be everything to all people, you know. And we're going to fail and we're going to get it wrong. And there are times where we're just going to be like, you know, I have could probably name on one hand, you know, when I've been, like, happy that people were graduating and moving on in 17 years. You know, they don't always, you don't always feel that way. But if we're being honest, sometimes you're like, I can't wait till graduation, you know. But those kids, too, man, they need love, you know. They need you. And they need to see your relationships. And, you know, like Julie, I, I love that what you're doing in your home, you know, with those girls because they need to see the way your husband treats you because they might not see that at home, but I would pray, you know, that they're going to look for that when they're looking for a man in their life. That's what we always tell them. Both of us tell them, you know, you are worth more than how so-and-so is treating you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so huge. Um, Take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. It's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, I just encourage you to do that. Don't be afraid because we have boundaries to not minister where it's healthy within those boundaries, you know. And again, hold tight to those boundaries. They're there for a reason. They protect us. They're huge. They're important. Don't alter. However, when it's appropriate, every chance you can that it's appropriate, don't be afraid to love from the center of who you are. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't call up some woman disciple to minister to the women that were in need at the moment. He took time out of his day and he sat until the ministry was done. And I fear that we're going to forfeit ministry out of a hesitation to cross a boundary. So just leave you with that. Thank you for coming. I hope you got something out of this today. And um, God bless you.